I don't know about you, but parenting isn't what I thought it would be. It's way more guilt, anxiety, and chocolate than I ever imagined. I'm so happy and proud of the family we've built, but at other times, I feel like I've lost myself along the way. Parents are human too. You may be one of us absently wandering the aisles of a hardware store pondering, what is this thing called parenting? Welcome, and we're so glad to share this brief part of our journey with you. We're a group of parents and professionals acknowledging all Coast Salish people on whose traditional and unceded territory we live, we learn, we play, and podcast. We'd also like to recognize Fraser House Society, our partner in making this thing called parenting possible. Hey there, welcome to the episode on moving our families forward in 2022. This is going to be our first episode in a new format that we're calling Coffee Time, where Ashley or myself or other uh, this thing called parenting team members will just be having casual, unstructured conversation that wanders around as it will. And we will still have some structured episodes. But when we first started this thing called parenting, we wanted to have authentic conversations with the average, say, soccer parent that we are standing beside on the field, maybe in the pouring rain if you live in our climate. Uh, And we never really get to have those deeper conversations that we really want to get into uh, on the sidelines of the soccer field. So today we are talking about soccer. We're talking about avoiding the stuckness that we seem to have found ourselves in during the pandemic. We're going to talk about where it feels like we've lost some control in our worlds. We're going to talk about finding our common humanity. So we hope you enjoy this episode. Let us know if you want more. And here we go. Yeah, no, but just this this transitioning out of the pandemic. Is the pandemic over? Is it not? Um, now we're not doing like COVID safety plans. It's um, communicable, communicable, communicable disease mm-hmm. plans. Mm-hmm. But it's so funny when you when you say, "Oh, um, the pandemic may be over. It may be not. Oh, there's you know this variant's gaining control. Like look at China right now. It's like out of control. Right. Um, and but it's almost like it's funny because I don't know about you. But I'm just kind of like, okay, like we can handle whatever comes. Like, I I just feel like that's what I've learned from this. And I feel like my kids are like that. Like they can wear masks at school. They can not, they can hang remotely with family and do FaceTime and know that there will be a time that they see their family again. You know, there will be, we, we can do it. Um, Yeah. It's, it's, it's exhausting, but we, we've been getting more tastes of, of, those connections again, and and a little bit more of those opportunities to be doing things that we love to do. Um, we went on like a double date the other night. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. It was so crazy to like go out with like some other parents, like had a babysitter and it was like, this is what normal people do. What? Yeah. Like, this is weird. Like, what do you, how do you do this? And, and yeah. yeah, it was, it was weird, but I just feel like what, what we're coming out of right now is we can do this. We can yeah. do hard things. And I think, it, yeah, Glennon uh, Doyle will thank you for saying that. Yes. <laughs> Hashtag Glennon yes. Doyle. Great podcast. Just, oh, at the beginning of the pandemic, when the whole world went into lockdown, we didn't have that skill. 
Yes, exactly. And so we have this, and maybe the pandemic is ongoing. Maybe it's petering out in some areas and not other areas. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, now we have these new skills and so Mm -hmm. we can get through it. And I also heard a report on the radio uh, yesterday that was talking about how when they've looked at the data from all the people that have died from COVID-19, it was something to the tune of 90% of them had an other underlying health conditions. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, um, and so that informs us our practice in the future in that the vast majority of people who do not have underlying health conditions, and they were like things like heart disease, diabetes, things like that. So the vast majority of us um, can continue on with our lives with masks, with, um, you know, maybe some distancing, maybe, um, you know, maybe less say concert type situations mm-hmm. where you're rubbing bodies with other people and things like yeah. that. Don't but, lick faces, wash your hands before you. Eat. Yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> things like that. Right. And so, um, yeah, so we can do it. Mm-hmm. Um, we just have to, we've got more data now. We just didn't have as much information and we didn't yeah. know how to change our actions before, but now we've gained new skills and when you know better, you can do better. So absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and I think that's the thing too, is moving forward. I, it's like learning to live, being flexible with unpredictability Yeah, and gaining that confidence that actually, yeah, we, we can adapt. Like we always have as humans, we've always adapted. And, and I think again, this time, this pocket of time is okay. Well, now we know we can adapt. So how can we start to plan better for the future? How can we start to build on these skills? What's possible now? You know, I just feel like there's so much that's possible and and guaranteed we're living in a real scary world in a lot of ways. Yeah. um, A lot of times or in this time, but it is not the the 80s or the 90s that we grew up in anymore. It is that is not the world that we are living in anymore. No. And I would, I would argue too, that like a lot of the things that were going on in the eighties and nineties are coming to light now. And we just know about it. And that's, what's hard to digest. Yes. We've talked a lot about like me too. We've talked a lot about civil rights. We've talking, we're talking a lot about, um, in, uh, the ways of our indigenous uh, neighbors and the false white securities that we had in the eighties and nineties, no longer. Yeah. That veil has been lifted. And no social media, right? So I think, mm-hmm. uh, and technology, like is just incredible in, in terms of how much it's grown. And so I just think, you know, knowing what we know now, even though, you know, that time we thought, oh, it was so easy. It was not easy for so many people, mm-hmm. you know, and, mm-hmm. and, and now we're like aware of that mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. we're sharing that information. I don't know if it, things are worse in the world as more that the microscope is there. And so many things are better in the world. You know, mm-hmm. there's like, we talk about like raising, raising a young woman. There's, there's never been a better time to be a woman in history. Yeah. I yeah. think, yeah. you know, so, so that's gotten even better. So th- there's things that are getting better. There are things that are really scary. And I talk a lot about the better things because I am really scared by the scary things too. Right. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, but I just think moving forward, um, there's a lot that we, we can be doing now that we know, now that we're aware and it's not just, okay, let's just see what happens. It's like, how are we going to actively take, take action and take control of what we want our future to look like? Yeah. 
No, it's so interesting. And I know like on another occasion, Ashley, you and I, it was right after the Duke of Edinburgh passed away and I had wanted to watch the, the funeral for him. And it was in the middle of the pandemic. And um, I felt like it was really important for me to watch because I felt like it was the beginning of the end of stability as I have always known it. And Ashley, oh. you pointed it out, but you, yeah, you and I talked about this before and then you and, and I, you pointed out, it's like, yeah, that's because you're like, cause I'm white. So mm-hmm. it's like the end of my false white security and privilege that I've grown up with, um, knowing that the white people are, and I would never have thought about it even this way, Mm -hmm. but now I can say the white people were in control. And, you know, if the British monarchy fades, that's kind of a peg removed from the white superiority thing. And I've never, ever thought of myself as being superior as a white person, but there's, there's all that privilege that comes with it. Right. So now the playing fields are being leveled a little bit Mm -hmm. and, uh, and yeah, so, you know, it's, it's interesting. We probably need to have somebody on our podcast who has not grown up with these same kinds of, uh, white security privilege, um, outlooks and see if they feel like things have changed that much, or if they maybe feel things are getting better. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Like, it's just, Mm -hmm. it's very, uh, Mm -hmm. it's interesting. Yeah. I always think about, um, that term in my mind, beware the white liberal. (laughs) Interesting. um, of, of just, you know, um, and it's funny cause I, I had some of these conversations as, as we were going through with a, f- a few of my friends that aren't white. And as, as we were going through a lot of these things in the past couple of years, and I was saying exactly. And I love what you said, cause you're like, I'm curious if people are experiencing things differently. And I was, I was like, oh, things are like so different, like now than they were, you know? And and I was so convinced that this next generation, it's different. And it was more, not so more things are different now, more things are changing. And I'm not worried about the future Mm -hmm. because the kids that I see and that I work with and the pulse that I have my finger on suggests this will not stand Mm -hmm. anymore. And Mm -hmm. Um, it was super, super cool to, it's super cool to see, but the, the ears on the other end were not quite ready to hear that. It was, it was interesting. And I'm not saying I'm right. I'm totally, I'm open to being totally wrong. Um, and again, from my perspective, it's a lot easier to say something like that, you know? Yeah. Um, and then I see a lot of sort of influencers on social media that have been in, um, you know, in terms of civil rights, after all of the George Floyd stuff, there was ton- there were tons of calls from the community of the global majority, mm-hmm. right? Because the global majority is uh, not Caucasian. I was going to um, say, what is the global majority? Yes. Because okay. I, I would have thought it was white maybe 10 years ago that the white people were the global majority. And now, yes. of course, I know that that is not the case. So yeah. No, I don't actually know what the actual global majority, if it's just one or or sorry, what the actual majority is. But when you look at the global majority, Mm -hmm. if you look over the whole entire earth, yes, the majority of people are black, brown, indigenous people of color, like Asian, Latinx, it's, it's not colonial 
yeah. Caucasian. So, um, Ooh, surprise, like wake yeah. up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This is not the majority. So when we use the word minority, I really rethink that now. Yes. And yes, absolutely. It's funny. And I talk about like even our community where we live and, and, uh, my dad came out, we were just talking about this at breakfast the other day. He was saying, um, he came out to my daughter's soccer game and I had had the thought of my daughter's soccer. And I was looking around, I was thinking, interesting a lot of white kids play soccer like I was in our community Mm -hmm. um and because it doesn't represent what um, my daughter's school is or in Mm -hmm. the programs that I work in it's not representative of the typical mix that I see in terms of different cultures or minorities majorities global majorities and yet Um, soccer is the beautiful game that is the game that's played more commonly across the globe than any other game you can go almost any country any little tiny isolated village in the world and you pull out a soccer ball and everybody knows what to do or a football as it's called in most of the rest of the world (laughs) exactly football but we decide in north america it's soccer soccer. let's call it soccer (laughs) i i don't get it anyways but um, yeah, so, but it was so funny, but my dad said, he was like, yeah, I was really like struck by how many kids weren't Caucasian, not in a bad way, but just yeah. an observation. And I was, I was like flabbergasted and it just mm. made me realize once again, the mm-hmm. environment mm-hmm. Um, and he's moved, he's moved elsewhere now where I think it's even more so a community where, you know, there's, there's not as much diversity yet. It's growing. Mm-hmm. Um, but it just blew my mind. Cause I was like, that's so funny. Cause I actually ha- had observed the same the thing, yeah. but had the opposite reaction that yeah. it isn't fully representative and that, wow, there's a lot of, there, there's a culture of, um, at least in our, our city yeah. of a lot of kids who are Caucasian to, to, play put your kid in soccer like it's yeah, just a thing the right privilege so, it's what you do if yeah. you're a fine upstanding family in the community that's what you do yeah yeah you're like you're a soccer mom and you're a soccer dad you're this it's like an yeah. identity it's a thing right so yeah. um yeah so it was really just an interesting contrast to just a generational contrast and again mm-hmm. I was raised you know, with him in a neighborhood that was, you know, predominantly Caucasian, mm-hmm. some diversity, but it just how much it's changed mm-hmm. in the last 20 years is unbelievable. Mm-hmm. And it's only changing more and more and more. And yep. the kids I work with and the different languages and the different cultures and celebrations, you were just talking about um, the Persian New Year. Yes. And, and I was like, yeah, that was so cool. I was actually at a Persian store on Sunday in West Van and people were buying like there were all these like like delicious um like treats and it was busy and it was like like yeah and I was like, oh it's bustling and then I understood oh my goodness it's Persian year how yeah. hey cool like that's amazing I had no idea like I I'm always learning you know it's it's and it's not like hey you celebrate my white holiday you know like it's like <laughs> hey cool tell me I was like actually this makes a lot more sense to have the new year on the first day of spring (laughs) versus like arbitrary January 1st (laughs) like (laughs) here's the calendar let's pick a day yeah like the lunar new year right yes yeah or some people call Chinese new year but it's yeah I I just think it's yeah it's amazing like we celebrate Vasaki we did like there's so many different um, things to be celebrating and aware of that I had no idea about growing up. And, and we even see it with, with um, 
our kids around just their their friendships and, and their mm-hmm. sports teams and and different things that people are celebrating or oh we can't come because our family is celebrating this traditional thing on this day mm-hmm. that we, we you know we miss soccer on like the colonial holidays but like the other holidays we yes. still have you know like it's yes. just little things like that that yes. are I'm like, oh, I'm just observing them all now. Yeah, and, yeah. and my kids are growing up knowing about all this stuff. Like, yeah. they, so it's, it's, it's really, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's just blowing my mind. The, and it'll the be really interesting to see how, because uh, generation, well, Z, if you're American, we call it Z here in Canada. Uh, Generation Z is really, they've grown up with um, on the information superhighway. And there's lots of bad things that have come out of that, but mm-hmm. there's also good things. So their access to information has just been exponential compared to what we had at that age. And they can learn so much more. And it'll be interesting to see what happens when they kind of come into power in, uh, in the world in different positions of influence, um, because they had much more input than just the opinions that their parents grew up with. Like they Mm -hmm. had the opinions of their parents, but now they've had global access to information Mm -hmm. and opinions and ideas. And it'll just be interesting to see what kind of difference that makes to when they come into power. That is such a great point. Yeah. That is such a great point. We just got to make sure they want to take the power and for the right reasons, because I think a lot of kids are getting really apathetic and they're not buying into all this stuff that we've yes. been trying to sell them for years. And the other thing that I think, I think there be- always will be though, because you're always going to have those personality types that are the power people that those types will always exist. So yes. there will always and are those the ones we want to be in control? I think that's the thing is it's like, <laughs> Yeah, but no, I mean, if you're thinking like just like Myers Briggs breakdown or whatever, right? Like, okay, you know, yeah, you have the personality, Ashley, that you know naturally is in leadership positions. So though, and those kinds of things are always going to emerge. And even for me, I'm more of a communicator style, uh, and I'm I'm naturally an introvert, so I wouldn't normally like get out there, but it just comes out of me, you know. And now, mm-hmm. like, suddenly I'm doing a podcast because it sounded interesting. Like, mm-hmm. and this is somebody was like, "How do you have time to do a podcast?" And I was like, oh yeah, how do I have time? Oh, it's because what I, that's what I do for fun. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. But it's like meeting that need. It's like a calling, you know, I think that's the thing is, and And somebody's always going to have that. So somebody's going to rise forth and the leadership may look very different. I actually Mm -hmm. hope that it looks different than what we've been doing up until now. But, um, but yeah, I think it'll be, I think it'll be really amazing. And I think, you know, people talking about it already, we were talking about a couple of cool podcasts that, um, Ashley and I have listened to before we started recording today. And, um, and so I had just listened to one called, um, this American life and it was called schools out forever and about the, uh, how the changes that the pandemic has forced us into, into how we approach school or like the lead line is the pandemic broke school. Can we ever go back? And, um, and yeah, it's just very interesting to, um, 
to see those those different changes that have been made and the people who I think will be the leaders are just starting to question it and talk about it and kind of say, hmm, that's interesting, rather than mm-hmm. rushing in and saying, oh, we have to change this now, we have to change that now. They're just like, let's just think about this, let's observe, let's take the good and the take the bad. Mm-hmm. And, and realize that there's a whole bunch of diversity here in that it can go a whole bunch of different ways. So they're probably that's, you know, actually I would say might be the thesis of what came out of that is that there is no longer one way to do school. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. School Absolutely. can be a whole bunch of different things and look a whole bunch of different ways now. And learning is, is not like, yeah, it's not the, the one way of the past that you or I grew up with. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the whole thing about education and the pandemic, and I know a lot of people are really nervous and a lot of parents, if you're listening, might be really nervous that your kid is behind or that, you know, certain things weren't done. And and as a parent, yeah, I'm concerned like that my daughter, there are skills that she doesn't have that I wish she did. Like she's, she can't swim yet. I don't like that. Like she Mm. should be able to swim Mm -hmm. (laughs) by Mm -hmm. this age in my Mm -hmm. head, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, But we haven't been at public pools for- Yes, and we we live by water. So it's important to know how to swim. (laughs) Yes, there's a lot of water, a lot of lakes, a lot of ocean, which is great. Although honestly, it's gross to think about swimming in the ocean, which again, is a thing that we should probably be worried about. Like I would never take my kid to swim in the ocean where we live. Like it's gross. Well, not not the local city beaches anyway. No, no, exactly. Um, but, um, sorry, what was I going to say? Oh yeah. There's a lot of things that they haven't, that they're missing out on, but man, have they ever had the advantage of learning other things that we, I think, um, didn't have as much as kids, unless you experienced really unpredictable trauma in your life, unfortunately, um, you know, you develop those resilient skills and you see a lot of those people that experience real adversity and challenge and trauma, um, growing up excel exponentially uh as as adults they're adaptable mm-hmm. um amazing entrepreneurs uh real innovative thinkers because they've had to dodge and dive and move and maneuver and manage mm-hmm. and compartmentalize and get that uh oh my gosh what's that word i'm looking for um it's not gusto it's not guts it's grit grit thank you <laughs> grit <laughs> grit um so maybe what our kids are lacking in, like, maybe they don't know all their times tables on the schedule that we thought they should, or maybe they can't swim yet. They will. Um, but man, maybe their resilience and their grit and their mm. lack of fragility is way beyond anything that a whole generation has had in a long time. You know, mm-hmm. I think, I think, mm. you know, a lot of people have experienced war and sadly there's still war going on around the world right now, um, oh, which is horrifying. Yeah. And, and there always is, you know, that I think that's the other point that we have to be really mindful of, but, um, what are we going to do with the time we have right now where we are, you know, and, and whether that's privilege, whether that's the privilege of being North American, whether that's the privilege of coming out of the pandemic with some different insight and and not just suffering, Mm -hmm. you know, what are you going to do with that? Mm -hmm. You know, this new knowledge, um, and I think when I look at young people, and again, I'm, I'm just, it, I'm not, I'm worried about the future when I think about the leaders that came before us and what they're doing with the future. Mm-hmm. And then I meet with young people and I'm like, I am not worried. Like it, it, we need to flip this. Like these people 
need to not be in control. These people need to be now. And now our and problem we're right in the is, middle. Yes. <laughs> now our problem is, is that our medical technology is so good that the people that should be dying off are not dying off to let oh the gosh. new people come up and take oh control. <laughs> That's a really interesting to say after a pandemic that really um, targeted elderly people. <laughs> Yes. Well, and yeah, and I'm not trying to be insensitive. Oh, that's right. Of it, thing though, the generation in leadership. Then we're kind of in the middle of it. Maybe you know, there's a lot of Xers that are uh, uh, that are in control, but there's still quite a few Boomers uh, mm-hmm. that are still in control, and they they are staying in control later in life. I feel like than um, than would have happened previously because mm-hmm. we're much healthier later in life. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, so that's just kind of an interesting thought, but yeah. Um, How many world leaders are well into their seventies? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I haven't taken a well, lot lately, but our, our neighbors to the South of the last two presidents have been well into yes, their seventies. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's really, that's really our, our prime minister is an Xer, but, yes. uh, oh. but, but yes, but then there's some, <laughs> maybe I shouldn't comment too much on the politics, but <laughs> Yeah, we some can talk of the things, a lot about that. Some of the things that are being done are consistent with boomer ways yeah. of being versus well, X yeah. or Y, right? Or millennial. Well, I think we have to be honest with like the structures of how these things are created in Canada. Yeah. It's very, it's, it is different in the United States in that our prime minister really is just a figurehead. Our prime minister yeah. doesn't have any special powers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Know, has no veto. We don't have a veto in Canada. Like no. they're just like the leader of the party that happens to get voted in for power. Yeah. And that's, yeah. that's it. I think that's what is sometimes really misunderstood. And when um, I read, I read Jody Wilson Raybolt's book, uh, yes. Indian in the cabinet, it was fantastic. And mm-hmm. she talks about her time in the cat in the cabinet and to just to realize how much the bureaucrats are really in charge mm-hmm. and the elected officials. I mean, sometimes they can make a decision here or there that actually lay down the law and say, no, this is the way it's going to be. But for the most part, the bureaucrats, the people that are there, regardless of what power or what um, party is in power, their job is, you know, whatever deputy, whatever minister, uh, and then, and then the downwards from there, everybody who informs them, they're actually the ones that are Mm -hmm. in power, unless you happen to have a particularly uh, on point elected official who's really passionate about what they do and really wants to make things happen. But if you have somebody who's just kind of career politician, yada, 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 then Mm -hmm. it's really the bureaucrats that are in charge. So it's like, what? Wow. Mm -hmm. Okay. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It's funny. I, I really love, um, I just listened to this podcast. It was a Tim Ferriss podcast and I'm going to find the woman's name, Jane McGonnell. And she basically, she's a futurist and I wish I'm not really prepared to talk about her too much because I should have known more. I know. This but is a spontaneous you, coffee. Episode. Yeah. We're just having coffee, actually smoothie. Um, oh, smoothie. I'm having water right for now. me. I water did have coffee smoothie. earlier today, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, she, um, she's basically a futurist and, and she runs all these different simulations um, based on, you know, different, potential future events and stuff. And yeah, no, it was just really interesting to think about the 
the power that we have now to influence the future. And Mm. I think that's the part that's been missing. And, and I think, you know, we think about, oh, the future's coming and it's like doomy and, and we have no control or say in these power structures and stuff. But I wonder about feeling of not having control of the future with all of the things that have gone on in the world during the pandemic, there is definitely a feeling of not having control of the future. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And then at the same time, I, I feel like the flip side of that is, well, even if we're not in control, we can still have ways to work together and be okay. You know, mm-hmm. like I, I think that's the other thing too. And, and, you know, you could look at like the toilet paper, like everyone buying it out, or you could look at like people checking on their neighbors. Are you okay? Can I get you anything? There was a whole new local mm-hmm. community group that formed um, in, in our community, in our city called helping hands mm-hmm. and anyone that needed a dog walked because they were isolating or anyone that, you know, was a, a first responder in the beginning, especially, and needed like food brought to them or did whatever, like someone that couldn't get out of the house, like, um, because they were immunocompromised people came out and actually created this group to help each other. And mm-hmm. I was like, I was overwhelmed with just my heart swelling with our community and just, and just blown away. So, Mm. so it's there, it is there. And and I think it depends on what you focus on, but we want that. It's so funny. I always think like star Wars reference, like, you know, (laughs) (laughs) dark side of the forest or, you know, like it's, it's really like, we're the, it's up to us. Like, what are we going to utilize to, to, to move forward? And I think again, like, like, it would be interesting to see a simulation, you know, as a futurist around a different type of power structure. What would that mm-hmm. look like? And, yes. and someone that's like, an, by that. yeah. And someone that's like an actual expert in an area, like being in control of that area, you mm-hmm. know, like mm-hmm. someone that's like a, you know, like, like someone that's a, a person that's an accountant, but suddenly they're in charge of like the ministry for children and family development. Yes. You know, yeah. That's problematic. If you're yes. looking at that through the lens of just numbers, exactly. People and families and humans are not numbers. So, yes. you know, someone that's an, ex- an expert in people and humans and families, but collaborating with someone that's also accountable and an accountant. Right. Yeah. Um, but for, for a long time, you know, we had a, a, a defense minister that actually was a part of the military and was actually part of um, uh, law enforcement at one point. Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, that actually makes sense. Yeah, no, you know? that actually felt good, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And well, a, a person of color, and uh, you know, yeah. a, and and a family who who had immigrated to Canada, and I was like, well, that seems like a really like cool representation. Like yeah. that seems and like it would Jody Wilson Raybould is actually a lawyer, and she became the Minister of Justice for a couple of years, and had the principles of a lawyer and had grown up with um, principles of indigenous justice that she Mm. would not waver from. Mm -hmm. And then that ended up creating some scandals and she is no longer in the party or the minister of justice and has moved on to some other ways that she can affect the world for good. It felt good when it made sense. Yeah. In the beginning. And it was, um, and to be a woman. Yeah. And to be a woman in that role too. Like just it, yeah, there was woman in charge of justice, some very promising things at the beginning of that particular cabinet that we're talking about where it's like, Oh, people who actually have experience in those roles, making decisions and, and making positive change. And yeah, when 
Jody Wilson-Raybould had to, her, one of her first tasks was uh, creating the, oh, I can't remember what it was called now, but it's uh, basically the compassionate, I'm going to call it compassionate death bill. I don't know where you can um, shoot. If you're terminally ill, mm-hmm. you can choose when you're going to die. And so she worked together with that on the, with the minister of health, who the minister of health was also actually a family physician doctor. <laughs> Right. Like, isn't that insane? Yeah. What? Like what? <laughs> <laughs> so it just um, makes too much sense. Yeah. And, uh, and it was interesting too. And I remember she said in the book that she felt like they had done a good job on the bill in the end because nobody was entirely happy with it. And they there felt like they had struck the balance then because of yes. the people on the extreme sides were like, you know, they weren't completely mortified, but they weren't, um, they weren't happy with it either. So they like, they struck the balance uh, in the middle of it, but anyway, yeah, that's a good, that's a good, isn't that sad? Like, like, and everybody wins, but nobody loses like, like, or nobody wins, nobody loses. Like, like that's I think the reality when you have such dichotomous a belief mm-hmm. systems or, mm-hmm. or perspectives. And again, we, we talked about this and I think we should probably tie up this smoothie water yes. um, talk, but <laughs> I think one, one for the future that you and I discussed before is, you know, this call for community and this call for connection, mm-hmm. this call for meeting together. And I don't want to say in the middle, because that has like a political con- connotation, mm-hmm. but meeting in finding our, our common humanity, yeah. connecting with our common humanity. And that's certainly something that I have also experienced. Um, there's the, the war in Ukraine is going on right now. And I have mm-hmm. um, many Eastern European neighbors from all the different mm-hmm. nations that are around that are directly involved and indirectly involved. And mm-hmm. um And I bumped into one of my neighbors and sometimes we're on different sides of issues in our community. And, and, but I uh, just stopped and expressed compassion for her because she is um, by virtue of where she was born, she is on the wrong side of, of the war right now. And that she's getting uh, bullied and picked on uh, because she's originally from Russia And, and just connecting with her and just saying, I'm so sorry you're going through this. Mm. Um, And she has many friends in like all Eastern European, from all Eastern European nations. And she's heartbroken because they are all suffering. We just cried together and it was dark and it was pouring rain. It was like nine o'clock at night in March. And we just cried together in the driveway, in their like common driveway of our, of our complex. Mm. But just finding that common humanity where normally we wouldn't do that. Yeah. But just connecting in that. Cause I mean, I was feeling sick about it and I knew if I'm feeling sick about it, she's definitely feeling sick about oh, it. Yeah. And, oh, yeah. um, and that was a real bonding moment, you know, and, and we might continue to be on different mm. sides of different issues, but because of that one moment where we found that common humanity together, I'll bet you mm. anything we'd, we'd still be able to sit down and talk about it across the table. Right. Absolutely. A hundred percent. And, and just soften and, and like, yeah. remember it's, this is not a perspective. This is not a threat. This is another human being. Yeah. And, and I think we have to remember all of our belief systems are built from something or somewhere. And yes. whether it's a trauma or a conditioning or an algorithm, mm-hmm. you know, but again, I would argue that a vulnerability is that 
people tend to connect to more extreme things and extreme belief systems when they don't feel like they're a part of the whole. Yeah. And, and I think that comes again, right back to exactly what you just said, which is that common humanity. So I think that's a good one for like, I'd love to chat more over, over tea, coffee. Um, (laughs) I don't drink coffee, but you know, another coffee chat, but, but I think to end off today, thinking about this generation and the pandemic and the future and moving forward, there's a lot to consider. Um, We could probably dig into some specifics are at, at maybe a more planned, one of our planned podcasts where mm-hmm. um, we talk about the skill sets that are going to be important for our kids to know moving into the future or as parents, what, what are our skill sets to prepare mm-hmm. our kids for, for what's coming next? Or mm-hmm. how do we not just get caught in the in-between of what life used to be like and what it could potentially be like, how do we actively take control of, of yeah. what we want this next future to be like once it's we're avo- through this pandemic. Avoiding the stuckness. Yeah. Yeah. Avoiding we're avoiding the stuckness. the stuckness and figuring out how to move forward. And yes. It's, and it's hard and it's uncomfortable. Yes. Uh, and in some ways it's not that hard. It's just, I would say it's just more uncomfortable because you have to think about it. It's not just like uh, flop down in front of the TV and turn on Netflix It's something I, that you have to be a little bit more thoughtful about and burn some new pathways. Totally. And I agree with you. I feel like we've been through a really hard time mm-hmm. and just socially and health wise and, you know, like just globally, there's, there's just been so much. And I, and I feel like we've felt a lot of the pain of all of this. Mm-hmm. Um, so now I feel like, okay, we made it through that. Mm-hmm. And now what are we going to do with that? How are mm-hmm. we going to transmute that? And mm-hmm. it's almost like a midwifery, you know, and I always feel like it's funny, like a, mm-hmm. like a midwife, I'm not like a midwife of a generation, but like, you know, you and I, because we work with young people mm-hmm. and we're getting older, we're in middle age. Um, and then we've been raised by the other generation, you know, mm-hmm. where it's, it's sort of like a, I think a responsibility, um, not sort of like a response. It's a responsibility to support the navigation, the birth of, of this generation for mm-hmm. the future, you mm-hmm. know, and uh, it's looking, wait, let me tell you when I graduated university and thought my career was going to look a certain way, <laughs> the kinds of things I'd be right? facing <laughs> with young people. Right. Whoa. Yeah. Man, has it changed? So I think there's a lot to talk about and lot to dig into for, for, for parents, um, for young people and just be, I think the sky's the limit for what we can create moving forward. Absolutely. Sky's the limit. If you'd like to interact with us and give us your opinion, please contact us on Instagram at thing called parenting, or you can email us at thing called parenting at gmail.com. Have a good one.